That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome to Bat Force Radio, the Batman slash DC podcast with no limits brought to you by us, the Bat Force, back in Commissioner Gordon's office for another stack of new weekly DC comic books. I got Bat Force Tom up in sunny California. Ciao! I got uh, Robin Cross up in Canada. Aboot. And I got... I got him. We got him. We got him back in the stack. We got him Ooh. in Gordon's office, baby. We got the trunkler broadcasting live from Chicago. Yeah, a bloke. We got a good stack <laughs> to crack. Tom, you want to you wanna go through the list of uh, the bullet points before we uh, get cracking? <clears throat> so we got a uh, heavy uh, week of books again this week. Dude, it seems like they just get better and better every week. But uh, we're going to be going over uh, Batman White Knight. Ooh. We got a uh, Batman number 36. Oh, shit. Um, Superman 36. Ooh. Do a little uh, Nightwing. 34 uh, followed by some Deathstroke toss in some Green Arrow and a couple topics to cover uh, we're going to go over a little bit the uh, newly announced Batman Ninja trailer that came out uh, I think it came out around New York Comic Con but um, they released it once again this weekend uh, alongside Tokyo Comic Con with a line of uh, figures and statues and stuff so everyone's really pumped about that we're going to talk about the Titans show that's going to be on the DC streaming service and a little bit of a tease that Bermejo Lee Bermejo is throwing our way so Good uh, good topics. Oh, shit. It's cracking open. All right. White Knight number three by Sean Gordon Murphy. Hot in the streets right now. This book is hot in the streets. Everyone's talking about this book. I think we I think we put it at the top of our lists. Currently, the, the number one Bat book right now. Cool cover. Batman holding the cow. And below it, you have Knight swinging around with a Barbara Gordon. I was never really that interested in, in Nightwing or Barbara Gordon in general. But the way he draws them, especially Batgirl's outfit, makes me really interested in these characters. So, very cool. And uh, you don't you don't know it when you look at the cover. But by the end of the issue, it becomes apparent that the cover was setting up what happens by the end of the issue. You got it, buddy. You got it. We are back at Zoinko's Joke Shop. And uh, we have... The Harley Quinn. So this is the imposter. What did, what did Sean post this week the other day about the two Harleys? Oh, the spoiler for this issue? Yeah. Essentially, um, I think if you guys are reading along, uh, I believe it was issue number two. No, no, it was the third, correct? Where you learn that um, there's two Harleys. Correct me if I'm wrong if that's not issue one. What he did for a lot of people, which a lot of people have been wanting, is the classic Harley kind of back in the comics. And I think he's been one of those people that have wanted to see that Harley back. So he brought her back. And it's the classic jester suit Harley Quinn, but she's actually out of costume, obviously. So it's kind of more of a, um, a Harley Quinzel out of costume. But um, Joker takes his meds and he's quote unquote cured. And um, the real Harley comes back to basically confront the Harley who's been, I guess you could say, uh, been an imposter since she was gone. So kind of like the Suicide Squad, uh, Jimmy Palamati, Amanda Connor, Harley. Ew. Yeah, kind of <laughs> confronted her right in the face. Yeah, with her, with her <laughs> foot. Basically kicks her ass and tosses her out and is like, I'm the real Harley. You're just an imposter. And we, what we think, we don't really see much more of that Harley. She wasn't an issue, too. So we're just like, okay, well, the real Harley's back. And that was just an imposter the whole time. Um, but it turns out that this issue begins with a little bit of a kind of preface that this new, this, the, the imposter Harley's not going anywhere. And she feels as much of a connection to the Joker as anybody else. So she kind of reintroduces herself as Neo Joker. And, um... Uh... New design. I really like... I, I don't know. I guess he refers to this Harley as the Suicide Squad Harley or whatever, but his design for her... I, I love it. It's the it's a pink color scheme with white, and it looks like she has makeup dripping from her eye and her lip. Almost has like a Pennywise thing going on. Okay, uh, like uh, the Mime Joker kind of look also, you know, how yeah. the, the mm. lip and eye makeup uh, effect going on. Little, I like that. Yeah, the little rose on her uh, yeah. shoulder. Yeah. I like that a lot, actually, because what what's awesome about this book and, and Murphy is he kind of, you can tell when he grew up and when he was influenced by Batman and which iteration of Batman he was influenced first based on the characters in the book. And 
that's a really good point saying that mime joker might be a little bit of like a influence over this neo joker he's for sure like a child of burton and then the animated series right after that but we'll get to it later what's cool is that he's also incorporating different things that are currently happening in the bat books that he's kind of tying into his own vision for this story so it's sean murphy's design for these this harley neo joker which is awesome and who's other the the, the other guy was uh marini you said that's doing uh, a batman dark Henry prince Henry. yeah dark prince charming that, yeah that guy his design for harley as well i love and it's so good to see creative artists do these new designs of her because like i said the the, the harley run that's been going on for a while by jimmy and amanda i never understood why they put bells around her neck it looks so i mean can you imagine that in like a, a live action or an animated thing her walking around with fucking bells around her neck that man would find her in a second so, Not much for a criminal. Yeah. You tell him, Trunks. I'm really, yeah, loving these new designs for her, especially Neo Joker. Would you guys buy that figure of the Neo Joker Harley? I'm yeah. hoping, yeah. Cool. yeah. I, I, yeah. I think Tom's uh, hoping for a Prime one. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> how dare you? <laughs> and also, we ha- we haven't uh, mentioned it. This fake Harley Neo Joker does have a name. Also, her name is Marion Drews. Ah, yeah. oh yeah, interesting. That's kind of cool. We're in Gotham City, and the police are like laying waste with lead, shooting at mind-controlled Scarecrow, Bane, Croc, Ivy, and Roxy Rocket. And the ventriloquist. I loved seeing Roxy Rocket in there. Yeah, I love yeah. Roxy Rocket too. Sean Murphy's no strangest to Roxy Rocket. He did that really good uh, short. He drew that <laughs> short for the Batman Black and White Volume Four, which is really good. And, you know, they, they're going nuts. They're getting shot at. These rogues are mind-controlled by the Mad Hatter's device that's, I guess, channeled through the device that the Joker has, Clayface or whatever. Uh, it's kind of cool. The cool shot of Ivy lifting cars up with her vines or her vegetation. Mm-hmm. I love her design, too. she got that nice, like, long... Looks like a British peacoat jacket in green. Love yeah. stylized Sean Murphy stuff. Uh, the colorists don't really get a lot of praise, and I think Matt Hollingsworth, who's doing the, who does the colors... I think just complements the whole vibe and the whole feeling that Sean Murphy is trying to lay out for us as the fans, the readers. If I, yeah, you're right, Trunks. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's the same guy that worked with him on uh, Tokyo Ghost. Yeah, that's kind of, that, that, that's his dude. That he, you know, you can tell he takes him uh, on whatever project he wants to do. Everyone has those guys that they're comfortable with working with. Like Greg Capullo works with the same people all the time, yeah. and you can tell that uh, this is Sean's guy. And yeah, I, that Scott brought that up. I wanted to to get to that too. We give a lot of credit to Sean Murphy for what he's doing with the story, but uh, yeah, Hollingsworth is making sure every page looks ridiculously good mm-hmm. yeah boy just like he did that freeze remember that freeze with the blues and the blacks and uh oh yeah so can barely talk about it without tearing up that was so beautiful that, that made the trunks ha- <laughs> trunks had to pull over for that one put the, the deep oh, dish yeah. down <laughs> he put a piping hot pie in his lap man just for that page piping hot pie up for that page yeah boy oh alliteration time well we got batman cruising chasing the rogues batgirl commandeers the uh, roxy rock it's a rocket well looks like nightwing gets on a motorcycle how cool is that scene where there's like two gangsters it looks like a tommy gun out of an old-fashioned looks like a 50 yeah, car out of the 50s a, yeah i think that's a two-faces gang oh is it two-faces? <laughs> the batmobile because he's dragging bane and yeah. killer rock so this has a animated series written all over it pretty cool stuff he had said that before but you can feel uh, a lot in the relationships between characters. Gordon's in a helicopter overhead, heading to Backport. Now they're going to the Joker's library. and uh, the law library. Uh, Batman figures that he knows that Joker's, well, Napier is behind this whole thing going down and figures that he can keep them from destroying the city by bringing them to the building that he knows is going to be part of Joker's plan. Napier's plan, sorry. Uh, but uh, that kind of backfires because that was what he knew would happen. And basically getting that library destroyed was part of the plan. Yeah. He plan inception him. Planception boy. Nightwing says to Bats, good thing you're never wrong. And then uh, as um, Bats heads in, it starts collapsing. It pretty much collapses on top of him. That's pretty brutal. Yeah. Most people yeah. don't survive. He comes out of there with blood all over him, man. It's pretty rough. <laughs> And um, they ask if he's all right. He's like, get away from me, computer. Set up auto drive medical protocol. <laughs> Love that shit. Very dark night. Oh, Returns yeah. Yeah. He's um, putting on the uh, I fucked up autopilot. I'm really digging Barbara's background outfit. I like the yeah. uh, goldish yellow or whatever and the black. And the nice so red hair. Her outfit reminds me a lot of that, um, was it that Elseworlds uh, thrill killer? Right. It almost has like that rockabilia feel when you see Nightwing and Batgirl. Trunk's throwing them references I mean, in, boy. That girl's look isn't too far off from the Burnside look, either with a, a different uh, yeah. color scheme. 
Yeah. Yeah. And even she seems like in that was it what page is that? That that page A when Batman drives away and the helicopter lands and even Barbara Gordon is saying like, you know, uh what's happening to us? Like she's seen that almost like things are falling apart. We cut back to Napier and uh Harley Quinn. For the record, this look on Harley I I can't get enough of. I'm loving it. Just the long red coat, blonde hair, and those circular red tinted shades that she has, or glasses. I'm digging it. You mean Harleen? Pretty much. uh, She's briefing the Joker about uh, the Two-Face gangs, and Croc and Bane taking down the library, and Batman uh, having that building collapse on him, pretty much. And uh, Napier pretty much has put everyone on standby, but keep the headband with you. We might need it again. So um, they have that tool at their disposal to uh, control the rogues, move on with his agenda. For what he wants to do. And I, I like how uh, Harleen points out that he predicted everything exactly how it was going to go. So that's where it's confirmed that everything that, that Batman did is exactly what he wanted him to do. Called every every move that Batman was going to make to handle that attack. Played Everything played right into what he wanted to have. Bats pulls back up into... Um where they're keeping Alfred, pretty much collapses on the floor while uh, Alfred starts to wake up from the hospital bed or the the medical bed or whatever. Was yeah, that- like there is blood all over the side of the Batmobile, and when he falls on the floor, he's just in a pool of blood. Yeah, you know, Alfred is always there to patch him up even when he's dying. So, uh, you know, it cuts back over. It's a pre- looks like a press briefing. Mm-hmm. It's when... Um... Orphan, yeah. Yeah, it's it's basically Jack Napier explaining kind of kind of a, a dual meaning, not meaning, but at the same time of trying to raise awareness of what he's doing, he's also trying to gain favor because everyone just assumes he's still the Joker. So he's basically playing both sides where he's kind of using this orphan as an example of like, look at what Batman has done, look at all the destruction that he's caused and the millions of dollars in damage that the politicians of Gotham have lied to you about where the money comes from. It's supposed to be from disaster reliefs, but they're secretly pulling money from those efforts to pay for Batman's damage and uh, he's not being held accountable and look at this orphan child there's hundreds of them all because of what he's done there's only one disaster in Gotham City and it's Batman there's never been a flood there's never been an earthquake and he's the only one that's causing all this trouble so and he says you know he's like I know I'm the. I know many of you think I'm still the Joker, but you don't have to trust me. Here are the facts, and the politicians have been lying to you, basically. And that was that was the whole point of of the attack and baiting Batman into bringing uh, Bane and Croc into bringing the fight to that area was knowing that you know, those buildings would get destroyed and he would be able to sneak in there and get those files that uh, that he's now using at the press conference. The press briefing at the bottom panel is the first Catwoman foreshadows, the potential foreshadows that I noticed. Panel on the rooftop where it just shows a cat on top of a chimney, I believe. And, oh, yeah, cheers! And two wine glasses. Almost looks very when in Romish as well, the skyline. But who knows? Super cool shot of the Bat Cave with all those beautiful oh, Batmobiles. Let's go through them real quick. What we got? What we that. got? We got Sean Murphy's animated Bat series. Animated series. But, uh, Sean Murphy's Bat Bat Cycle. Tumblr. Tumblr 66. The Golden Age uh, with the shield in the front. Dick oh, yeah. Sprang. I can't really see much more than that. Yeah, then we got that big I truck just... in the back, which I kind of did yeah. too. Yeah. I love how all those artists are always tossing in like their favorite Batmobiles and you can tell which ones are Murphy's favorites for sure. Especially because his version is like kind of like Tumblr slash 89 slash animated series all kind of rolled into one, but also mu- very muscle car too. I mean, Napier is basically, it's almost like he's setting up like um, the 1% is what's keeping the rest of the Gotham down. The 1% is basically this $3 billion disaster relief fund is actually the Batman disaster relief fund and points out that the mayor's law firm or the mayor's firm is what's benefiting from the money. Yeah, they're crookedly earning money off of the disasters in Gotham. Because not only are they lying about where the money's going to or coming from, they're also making they're making money off of it too. Yeah, man. Made Batman zones and the price of real estate drop, and then you know the the one percent buy that property, location of the city. That they buy the property when when the values are low, and then they clean them up, and the property value goes back up, and then they sell it. And he's hitting so hard on real life events. Bats wakes up with this freeze IV in him and uh, wakes up to find Alfred dead in a, ch- in a chair sitting up pretty well. I didn't think he was dead at first. Yeah. I thought he was just sleeping yeah, and not well. And then you cut over to the next page and uh, Alfred's in the ground, man. It's uh, so sad. Yeah. He They show um, these portraits of uh, Alfred with Bruce when he graduated college and when he's uh, when they're doing something with archery and uh, when they're walking in the snow with a sled when Bruce is a little kid. Yeah. So, uh, like, yeah. It's like I mean, last week Alfred, we have Bruce dying and Selena uh, crying and this week we have Alfred dying and 
DC's killing us, man. <laughs> Jeez, man, how much can we take? Cuts over to a cemetery. <laughs> and um, Dick and Babs are in front of uh, Alfred's grave, right? Which is also next to Jason Todd's grave. Booker, yeah, booker, sure. booker. This is where something really interesting comes up. Because yeah, this is obviously it's the Alfred was buried on the uh, on the Wayne Manor property uh, in in that cemetery. Pet cemetery. So yeah, Barbara notices this other stone and asks uh, asks Dick who Jason Todd is. And this is really interesting because Sean changes continuity here because uh, Dick explains to Barbara that Jason was Robin before I was. Mm. That, yeah. That's very different. I wonder if that's a, a, a conscious change, if he's up to something there. Because he also said that they never found the body. And Barbara asks, well, what ba- who's buried there? And he says, no one. So uh, are we going to see Red Hood pop up in them, this? Or? I was going to say, you know, uh, Dick's holding a bottle of booze, it looks like. And this is what threw me off when I read it. He said Jason was like a son closer to him than I ever, that I, that, you know, than I ever was. Total so, role reversal. That's, that's pretty much probably how Jason felt about Dick, is that no one could live up to the standard of the first Robin, so he was always trying to play catch up with it, feeling second best. Yeah, like Jason, like because traditionally Jason was the one that dyed his hair to mm-hmm. look like Dick, so mm-hmm. no one would, would notice that there was a change. He's always always trying to fill those shoes. You know, I'll tell you one thing. As soon as I read that page and saw the panel and thought about Jason Todd and what you're saying is like, damn, like okay, if they didn't find the, as soon as when they put down. I didn't. They never found a body. I'm like, oh boy, we're gonna see him, right? Oh yeah. And yeah. immediately, I felt a great disturbance in the force, and the meme kids were going crazy. Mm. <laughs> Harley and Jack Napier walking down Gotham, not the best part of Gotham, and uh, they run into these um, fine, worse gentlemen. It runs into 50 Cent where he says, wrong neighborhood, Snowflake. And uh, Jack Napier goes, hello, lovely evening, <laughs> as if they're just gonna hand over their wallets to. Uh, the thugs, and all of a sudden, Harley just puts like a roundhouse kick to the guy's jaw and cracks the other one and, in the and, face. And her leg is like eight feet long. Yeah. <laughs> so she, she kicks that guy hard. They're approached by. Oh, Duke. That's Duke Thomas, yeah. <laughs> Lieutenant Duke Thomas, special forces, but he's running some kind of a militia, street militia, right? He so, yanks that dude by the two legs. <laughs> has to be just uh, Murphy's version of, of Duke that we know. Right. So awesome, by the way. What I, what I like about the whole concept of what's going on is he's kind of rewriting like a little bit of the history of um these characters like kind of like how we did with dick and jason todd he's doing it with duke this version of duke from what we gather knowing that the joker is the joker and he knows that jack napier is the joker i would assume that uh his parents were not killed or actually they're not dead yet i assume that his parents were not infected with joker talks in the way they were in the regular batman series right Right, because he would fucking hate the Joker and Jack Napier and would not want anything to do with him. So this is definitely a different Duke Thomas. I don't know. Did he talk about his parents at all? I think he just talks about his time in the military. Essentially, he comes from a different background. I mean, he has similar traits and qualities, but he has a different path. So obviously, because this Joker isn't the same, it's Jack Napier, not, let's say, Batman. No, the the regular Batman Joker. He probably didn't have that event where Duke's parents were infected with the toxin, but Duke still has something happen to him in his history that makes him want to kind of be a force for good. So that's why he joins the military. That's why when he comes back, um, he talks about, instead of like, you know, trying to work against the gangs, kind of getting them together to work, to embarrass the cops to do their job better, essentially. So it's really freaking cool version of duke that means is awesome because he's also huge just gonna say he's also a monster massive so it's cool to see like murphy playing with canon kind of playing with characters and i started liking duke a lot in the last couple issues of um I don't know. He's been in everything like metal and also Batman. This is one of the coolest versions, I think. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. Yeah, well, and what kind of threw me for a loop was um, Napier knows who he is. As soon as he says names Duke, he says Lieutenant Duke Thomas, ex-Special Forces. You run the local group. I mean, how does Napier know who he is? meeting him uh, uh, does he does he mention that yeah he's he's done his research basically a duke is the reason why they've gone to that area they, they went there to get him you know napier needs something from him yeah he wants him to work and they him. went looking for him to uh, make it happen yeah yeah, man. yeah it's, it's cool like it's a super badass version of duke for sure Just... napier asks him what are your thoughts on batman and he says only one person uh backport hates oh, more yeah, than cops right. is batman yeah you're right well 
But I mean, he, does, he doesn't say he does. Yeah. And yeah, I think he works in very similar ways to Batman. So, I, you know, he just, he uses the gang to keep them in control, you know, so so they're not out there just doing whatever they want. He, he states that he brought all the gangs together and he has to overlook some things. But for the most part, you know, the effect that this has is that the gangs aren't out there doing the stuff that they were. It's, this is what it's in Under the Red Hood, uh, Under the Hood in the comics. When Jason Todd comes back as Red Hood and he takes out all the gang bosses basically is controlling all of the crime but he has rules so he's making sure that you know that the guys that are selling drugs aren't selling it to kids and things like that so you know he's yes crime is still there but he's making sure that the worst of it isn't happening yeah you come back to gordon talking and um gordon starts to question batman's uh methods considering how uh, all the collateral damage was exposed and then um bats asks gordon are you questioning my methods and uh gordon says as a cop no but as a taxpayer yes so see <laughs> everything that napier's doing it has a an effect or is really uh, digging deep in the psyche of a lot of people, you know, questioning about yeah. Batman's rule over um, Gotham. I mean, Napier is opening a lot of, like, Pandora's box, if you will, about is, ba- I mean, yeah, Batman stops super criminals, but is he really better than the super criminals? Like, you know, he drives the Batmobile through... And what was it, a last issue or two issues ago, he drove, he drives through people's rooftop, $3 billion worth of damage. Maybe Batman isn't as good for the city as it's portrayed. Yeah. He's even gotten it as far now that he has Gordon doubting his uh, his allegiance and trust in Batman. This whole this whole Batman fund thing was kept secret from from Gordon as well. So he's finding out just like the public is, and obviously isn't going to be very happy. And then we cut over to um, the Neo Joker or the other Harley Quinn investigating. I guess she's that's where Napier uh, has everybody. You know, it's where he had uh, taken everyone and put pieces of Clayface into them so he could control them. You know, he's, Ooh, he's still got Hatter again. there and Clayface is locked up there. <laughs> Harley, this Harley lifts the uh, mind control device off of the Hatter and he's the one who coins a, a Neo Joker. She was asking about where Jack is. She calls him a creepy leprechaun and uh, <laughs> she asks if Clayface is even alive. And then as she touches Clayface, he kind of like explodes. Clay goes everywhere. All that's left is a brain with eyes and a, a card in within the brain yeah, yeah that kind of fucked me up when i saw that i mean you've never seen that part you know of Clayface and see him just kind of poof like a powder and then it's also all the stuff is a brain and a pair of eyeballs and then she's asking the hatter if he could override napier's signal he says as long as he's closer to Clayface's brain than the joker is and when they open the door they could see all the rogues just standing there pretty much mind controlled as if joker has them in a closet like toys to play with whenever he wants that's where the issue ends so very cool story so far we're only three in out of uh eight or nine I think eight issues eight, eight issues yeah. it's gonna be a nice hardcover huh tom nice uh banger absolute, absolute. i hope it's an absolute oh, shit. <laughs> gallery, books. gallery edition all right Noir. We- <laughs> let's, let's do it all baby uh, it leads us over to batman number 36 which is super friends part one so this is a lot this is this was a really fun read the gist of it was that batman and superman are pretty much having these conversations with lois lane and selena about who should call who first kind of bigging each other up the whole time when they're trying to meet up the big news is that batman's getting married or you know he's engaged and uh that's a big deal and you know lois and soups they're supposed to meet up finally and you know tom king has this style where sometimes he just writes in a parallel he just bounces back and forth with what's going on yeah this issue is while they're both following it turns out to be you know the, the same leads investigating the same thing it's showing them discussing with their partners the respect that they have for each other so you see both of them mirroring their opinions of each other you yeah know, they're, they're both saying you know, showing the same level of respect for each other in the way they speak of the other. Like things they would never say in front of the other person as well. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and it's, you know, you think about these relationships and how did this never happen in 77 years of history where, you know, these two couples were all together as well, acknowledging that they're couples or whatever. So as you read throughout the issue, I mean, it's almost like the women are, you know, Lois and Selena are kind of role reverse like they're the guys saying just give them a call put your almost like put your ego aside part when catwoman's in the bat cave and she asks bruce if uh he's ashamed of her or something like that yeah. criminal stigma i suppose to backtrack um after you know the the first few pages they show superman and lois are talking and then it cuts to batman and selena talking and selena says i thought he was your closest friend i don't and you know batman says i don't Gordon's my closest friend and selena's like what <laughs> and he's like fine 
Alfred's my closest friend. And she's like, that doesn't count. He works for you. Alfred's <laughs> on your payroll. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at their first pages, the, the first Superman page and the first Batman page mirror each other. You know, you have them both in the same poses. Batman or Superman's flying over the train tracks, watching that train that's going to the edge. And then on the flip side of it is Batman, you know, upside down coming out of that blimp. They're both uh, mirror images of each other. Uh, in those first pages yeah, and everything takes place with like superman and metropolis during the day and like batman and gotham during the nighttime the third batman issue in a row that we've had different artists on go from the last issue of uh rules of engagement to uh batman annual number two and now to claim man on yeah the whole time when uh, lois and clark and batman and selena are talking to each other pretty much mirroring the same acknowledgements about each other without the other one there and then it leads up with Soups and uh, Lois getting out of the elevator while uh, <laughs> Batman and Catwoman get out of a, a hollow elevator shaft because the elevator's not actually there. And they just look at each other and they're talking. And then all of a sudden, um, Lois goes, oh, hi, I'm Lois. You must be Catwoman, like, you know, like women do. <laughs> Being the social well, creatures. There. And that whole uh, conversation, like, uh, Superman, you know, like you said, they both walk out of the elevator and Superman's like, how did I see you? And he's like, you took the elevator. You're not supposed to <laughs> see me. Well, if I flew here, I'd, I know I'd get I'd break a window like he's such a they're questioning each other like two minutes like how did i see you and he'd like you're not supposed to see me well uh, how how'd you get how how'd you get up here <laughs> i'm oh no what sorry why'd you take the elevator when you could fly yeah and then of course the boy scout superman is well if i flew up here i'd break a window Fuck off. <laughs> the trunk. He tell him. <laughs> no, nah, but I mean, it's just a, it's just a funny whole little conversation. Like, Superman can fly, so why don't he just come through the window? And then, but Batman's always coming through the window. So why are you in the elevator? Both couples are going through the the same thing of not wanting to have their significant others meet. Selena addresses Bruce's concerns with introducing him to, to Superman or Clark with the obvious concern of revealing Clark's identity to her. But uh, she <laughs> she just reveals, you know, how simple it is to figure it out. She says, well, let's see. A guy, a guy who writes about Superman all the time that looks just like Superman, but with glasses and slick yeah. black hair. <laughs> well, and Lois even, Lois even busts Clark's balls by saying that uh, previously in the issue when they're in the parking garage. She says, um, considering how you choose to hide your secret, I think she might already know. He's like, how I choose? Yeah. What's that supposed to mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sweetie. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. <laughs> like, you're too stupid, but you're good looking. So. And then it ends with um, the next issue will be a double date, 78 years in the making. Very cool to see... Uh, Batman and Catwoman with uh, Superman and Lois Lane. I think the best part of this issue was basically how Tom King highlighted that both characters seem like they see, they think so highly of each other and they both believe that the other is the better man and how they kind of put each other on a pedestal and how it, it's, it's awesome because he kind of goes back and forth with each of them describing and talking about their differences. But at the same time, it shows how similar they really are when they're trying to describe their differences. And so you realize like Batman and Superman are not that different. They they just kind of went down different paths, but they were they have like the their heart is the same. Like the heart is, is in the same place basically. Mm, good one Tom King, Batman number 36, the rebirth. Dude, you got to say Tom King's been just fucking nailing it. Tom yeah. King writes fun stories. Writes I like I like Legend said he said uh, he says to me he says he said earlier, he's like, I think Tom King writes amazing, like, um, short arcs and, and one shots. I think he's good he, at humanizing these characters. Yeah. You know, I think that's yeah. what it is. He, he, yeah. gives a, he gives a really genuine voice to them. He kind of lets their guards down. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff, Tom well, King. And you, you mentioned that. him being good at uh, short arcs and one shots, but I think a, a big strength of his is writing short arcs really good short arcs that turn out to be one big story story interconnecting stories within uh, each arc like uh, yeah, I am Bane, because, I am Gotham yeah I am suicide. starting with I am Gotham going all the way when you got to the end of that Bane story just before the end of it you're seeing everything that was happening in that arc tied back to the first issue of rebirth yeah and that that was all one big story it, it all came back to psycho pirate yeah i think at one point he because he ties it all into selena kyle basically with psycho pirate and all that and it, i mean now i almost feel like even though he's doing a great job of it i feel like like the bad cat fans are basically the lady who ran him over in the snow and have him tied to the bed and are now demanding that he write like batman catwoman <laughs> stories <laughs> 
And it's going great. I mean, it's really working well. So I don't want to jinx anything. I don't even think that. Keep keep James Conn tied to the bed, man. It's 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 awesome. <laughs> Next one is uh, Superman thirty six. All right, Supes and guys, um, let it rip. How was it? Yeah, it's uh, well. I think the whole the whole past arc, the whole co- past couple issues of Superman, have been pretty 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 good. I think that uh, essentially what's been going on is during the beginning of rebirth, or actually rather at the end of New Fifty Two, New Fifty Two soups perished. The rebirth soups or uh, the pre Fifty Two soups kind of came back into town, and he was the one who escaped during the convergence and slipped into our universe long story long lex luther had been kind of doing the superman job in his in his like awesome mechanized superman suit and uh, in this issue it, it's the last uh issue of this arc where uh lex luthor um superman lois john and is there anybody else that got boomed to apocalypse they're about to get crushed by uh granny goodness and the furies it's just cool, man. Like I like I said earlier, I'm a sucker for Granny Goodness and Furies uh, making a making a an appearance in a comic book. Trucks, you wanna you wanna tie in a little bit of the past issues because with the death of Darkseid from the uh, Darkseid Wars, people, you know, Calabac is trying to find his father. Granny Goodness is saying, "Well, Darkseid's dead." So basically, there's like a struggle for power, and I don't want to say the the peasants, but like the slaves of Apocalypse have been foretold that there's a story of a. Uh, of a man who was raised by humble parents on a basically on a farm that will be their savior. They will come to Apocalypse and take over Apocalypse and run it for the good of the people. At first, Lex, who's there, he takes that role. They don't want him to go back to Metropolis, but he does, and they bring him back. And then he says, uh, when they bring him back, they bring back Superman, Lois, and John all at the same time. But they're kind of boom tube to various places on apocalypse lex and the soups are together and lex says well i'm not your savior it's this guy superman because i think that lex is trying to keep superman on apocalypse so then he can go back to metropolis yeah i think so um, which we don't know for what reason because lex is claiming that he's a good guy i mean and then the, this whole issue is the final issue of the arc imperialist lex i mean it's great to see some of the new gods like what tom was saying you know you see calabac you see granny goodness the furies and it's just a big all-out brawl now that superman john Los was found by the Furies and she pretended she was you know they kind of enlisted her into one of the Furies like I said it's a big all out battle Granny Goodness is fighting her her and the Furies are fighting against Calabac and his parademons and Superman, John, and Lois are kind of stuck in the middle. Prop, this prophet basically says well you know Superman is the one who needs to take the throne and he can bring balance back to this planet and uh, we, you know, let's let's present it to him. Will he take the throne? And so they basically present the idea to Superman, and Superman realizes the only way to stop all this fighting and uh, kind of bring hope to Apocalypse and maybe make it better than it is is to kind of instill his ideals to it. So he kind of takes it up and he and he says, "Yes, I'll I'll be that role for you." And mm-hmm. uh, so you can kind of see they start putting up banners of like the Superman's logo everywhere, and um, Superman's kind of giving them kind of like a new, almost like a new pledge of allegiance, almost. Yeah. And uh, kind of giving this speech that talks about uh different people the slave basically like uh, allowing the slaves to be freed on apocalypse and telling people to go and seek out people who will take you in and 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 uh, be generous to you find hope within yourselves so that you guys can all become a hopeful people and and repair this world and so it kind of leaves apocalypse with like this sense of hope they want to basically keep lex and they want to because essentially he lied to them and uh, they kind of want to put him up for trial. So they tell Superman and he's like, well, you're in charge now. And we we want to we, you're you're judge and jury for Lex and Granny Goodness. What do you want to do? And essentially they want to kill both of them at first. But then Superman says, no, free, free both of them. And uh, they're like, why? And he goes, it's the right thing to do. And so he says, I'll take Lex and, you know, you guys take Granny. So they boom Superman and Lex and Lois and John back home to Earth. Um, it's kind of the end of, of this this version of Lex Luthor because they kind of boom him back. And Lex is nothing. He's he's not thankful at all for Superman coming back. And basically um, Lex says, he's like, you don't trust me. And um, Superman says, when the Justice League calls on you, you need to be there. And no matter what you're doing, it's, it's we're going to have eyes on you, essentially. And Lex is pissed because he's like, I took this mantle up while you were gone. And I defended Metropolis when there was nobody else. And you still don't trust me and you still don't believe me. And Superman's like, well, you just, yeah, you lie. You lie and you're a hypocrite. How can I trust you? And so Lex then takes the, he, he goes to his chest and he rips off the Superman symbol on his 
suit and he crushes it and throws it on the ground and then superman looks at him and he's like i'll see you around lex and he flies off and you kind of get a shot of lex luthor without that symbol on his chest anymore but he's still wearing the suit and he's like smiling in the sky so it's almost like the old lex is back he's like tired of he's tired of parading around as this false superman and now that Superman is back, he's like, well, screw this. You know, it almost feels like I, I did everything that I thought I could do as far as being the Superman that I feel people needed and wanted. And now that he's back, it, it, I don't want it. I don't want to be this. You know, this isn't who I am. So you got a sense that, like, the original Lex Luthor is kind of back. And he has that evil, like, kind of evil grin on that last page. He's looking up at the sky and his hands are out like, you know, he almost like he's like liberated from not mm-hmm. being quote unquote man of steel. But, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I don't know how anyone else feels. and I'm sure Tom feels the same way. But Superman, since Rebirth started, it's been one of the, one of my favorite titles to read. Gleason and Tomasi, I think, are just killing it. Just like King is with Batman. Yeah, they're just, they're just killing it. Yeah, it, it's just I mean, it's kind of an example of how there's titles in Rebirth that started out strong. But you can't even say they started out strong because they're just still going so strong that it's just mm-hmm. like it's just an amazing series so superman is probably i always it's it's i always forget how good it is because i don't keep up with it um i mean i read it when i can but i don't read it obviously as much as the batman stuff to keep up with but once i go back and i read superman it's like damn this is so good same with action comics you know jurgens is over there just also murdering it jerking it good and, boy yeah man yeah. so superman 36 is nice. i mean i would say pick up that whole um arc for sure, just to make sure you got it. You're like a trade, you get a nice trade, right? With yeah. Superman. Like what Tom was saying, that whole the whole speech that Superman gave to the people of Apocalypse. I mean, I mean, I was you know reading it. I mean, it, it's kind of lengthy, but something that you know, it's something that Superman would say. It's very wholesome and gives the people hope and love, and it's just really, really well written. Superman number thirty six, Trunkler approved. Watch, plow, right. Throw it in the trunk. Mm. Uh, Absolutely. What's next in the chamber there, Tom? Nightwing 34. It was good. It was the end of another, it was the end of this arc. The whole Nightwing series has been good. Um, Seeley's has been doing a decent job of writing it. Um, The art, it's not as like adult or dark as like Batman is or the type of comics is. But I mean, I, I, th- I feel that it does the Nightwing character justice. Let's see. I mean, there's a character from... Uh, when Rebirth first started, his name is called Raptor. He's back. There's also a group. I don't know if you haven't been reading Nightwing. He goes to Bloodhaven. He kind of joins this almost like a support group for villains, I guess. I mean, but they're not even. They're they're kind of like the the D-list villains. It's the end of it. Raptor and one of the these other villains called Pigeon. They have this block uh, blockbuster serum that they're unleashing upon the whole city of Bloodhaven. Nightwing has to team up with Blockbuster to try and to, to fight it. Because so, Blockbuster is, he's trying to, he's not really wanting to be a super villain anymore. He's, he just wants to be the main man. So he, he runs a casino. It's a nice ending to the arc. Uh, Raptor was part of the, the Haley Circus when Dick was, and his parents were at the, were, were in the circus as well as acrobats. And Raptor was never seen. He was always in the shadows. And it kind of portrays that he's always been watching over. Uh, he fell in love with Dick's mother. He's always been kind of watching over them to make sure they were safe and nothing would harm them. Um, unfortunately, he was actually, when he saw Bruce Wayne the night of Dick Grayson's parents' murder, he was actually trying to pickpocket Bruce Wayne when his parents fell to their death. I mean, there's, you know, a fight sequence, of course. Uh, Raptor is kicking Nightwing's ass. And it kind of ends with, um, they kind of hint that uh, Raptor's always kind of had this fatherly figure since Rebirth started over Dick Grayson. You don't know if Raptor does die, but he's beaten up pretty badly, and he basically whispers he, because Dick Grayson's never, never known Raptor's true name. And Raptor says he's he's been trying to, he sees that Dick Grayson's been corrupted by Bruce Wayne, and the rich elite one percent, and he's trying to give him, you know, bring Maga. him back to, <laughs> trying to, you know, bring him back to his roots and trying to get him these second chances to come back to the way he was with the common folk. Oh, here we go to snowflake him up. Yeah, right. Raptor basically says, um, you know, you don't even know I was there. You don't know. You don't know me because I didn't let. You, I didn't let you, and you didn't even know my own name. My name, and he's kind of coughing up in his own blood, and then it shows a little panel of. Raptor actually kissing Dick Grayson's mother, and then he says his name is Richard. Like Raptor's name, like name is Richard, and then that's that's the end of you know Raptor just kind of drops down. So they kind of portray that perhaps this character was Dick Grayson's father. I mean, and then it just kind of he's had a girlfriend throughout the entire time, but he's also been banging Helena Wayne, um, oh, sorry, Burton Ellie, <laughs> um, on the side. 
Damn, dude. Yeah. I was like, well, you know, wait. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> what about Deathstroke? Uh, can you take Deathstroke real quick? How was that? This- Deathstroke's been good since issue one. Priest, um, Priest is still writing Deathstroke? Yes, sir. Yeah, Damn. He's, uh, they're gonna, they're throwing him on something else now, too, but he's a, he's a really good writer. Yeah, he is. Um, this arc, I mean, he was... Last issue, he was captured by the society. In this issue, he he broke out. He did get. Uh, I mean, you don't really see much of his of his family. Who's in Who's in the society in in um in this version? Vandal Savage, uh, Black Manta, Ooh. Black um, Ooh. Reverse Flash. Yeah, Hammond, Hector Hammond, the guy with the giant brain, a giant head. Yeah. Be there, pretty but classic society lineup then, huh? Oh yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely a nice collection of villains. Deathstroke's been. Turning it, he's, he's trying to turn a new lead. Something happened to him a few issues ago that maybe he doesn't want to be this hired killer. And he's trying to, you know, he forms up a team of his daughter, his son, Kid Flash, uh, the Power Girl, but not the Power Girl, the uh, Power Girl from the Teen Titans, not, you know, the blonde hair, uh, big booby chick. But they basically find out that, you know, he's just full of shit, that he still has evil in him. And that's what the society was trying to, trying to get from him uh, to make sure that he wasn't just some good two shoes. Trunks has had all this uh, percolating in him since uh, the last time he got to be on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, but honestly, if if you if you're a fan of Deathstroke, Priest is just. I mean, he's doing a really good job with the character development and bringing in other characters to kind of complement Slade. Priest wrote I would definitely... one of my favorite Deathstroke quotes of all time. He wrote, uh, "Guns don't kill people." Deathstroke kills people. I fucking love that. <laughs> Trunks, you want to go really quickly over a little Green Arrow real quick? Oh, shit. Percy's been writing it. Um, current artist is uh, Ferreira. Green Arrow's another issue, uh, another series that's been, I think, been really good since, you know, the art's been great. The writing's been great since issue one. Again, it's towards the end of a, uh, towards the end of an arc. Oliver Queen meets his mother, or his, he thought his mother was dead. She comes back. Previous arcs, he's taken down this group called the Inferno, or um, to the Ninth Circle. And they're basically um, an organization of billionaires that fund supervillains. If Two-Face needed money to to commit a crime, these people would kind of give him the bankroll for it. That's um, amazing. It's the, uh, the Iron Bank. Um, previous issues, previous issues um, Green Arrow actually sunk one of their floating banks because they got, the, you just can't have all this money in a bank account, so they have to keep on moving it. So it's basically like a mobilized bank. There's, there's, multiple mobilized banks but he sunk one he's been framed for a murder uh, oliver queen's been framed for murder he's lost his fortune now you know a vigilante to the cops the cops are trying to get him he goes down to the bottom to this inferno to pick up to get money oliver queen and his mother and information to try and save his name and i mean in the end i mean his his mom says hey i'm gonna start collecting this gold you go to the computers and start getting information to to save your name meantime black canary doesn't know where he is hasn't heard from oliver Oliver for a while, so she picks up one of their friends to go to try and find them. And Oliver Queen finally comes back to meet up with his mother to to leave. His mother basically just said, "Screw you!" and just <laughs> she's running away. And now, mind you, they're nine thousand feet below sea level, and they took one vehicle out there. And when Oliver Queen gets back to meet up with his mom, his mom basically just left them behind. Pretty much it. <laughs> Damn it. Um, good evening. Alfred Thaddeus Crane Pennyworth here, imploring you to listen to Bat Force Radio. It's what I always do when Master Bruce is out late on patrol. Cup of tea, warm fire, and Bat Force Radio. Cheers. I never read Cyborg. Um, the character itself never really. Or that, that's me. why they're canceling it because they said, "Well, fuck." This is the one book Trunks ain't reading. We, we gotta scrap this. <laughs> I mean, Cyborg part of the team, you know, it, it's good, especially if you're reading um, the, the Dark Knight's Metal. You know, he does play a pivotal role in that. But just, I mean, I, the solo, the character Solo, just never really appealed to me. I mean, some people say that they won't, that they don't like him unless he's in back with the Teen Titans. Mm, yeah, uh, I heard that a lot too. Yeah. Um, DC holiday special out this week, so you guys want to check that out? Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two. Gets to Batman TMNT Part Two, <laughs> Issue One. It's the same style, same I believe, it's the same artist, same writer as the first. Um, Tinian is writing it, and Williams the second is doing the art. Um, basically, I mean, it kind of takes off from what happened last time. The the turtles. And Shredder and everyone, he got back to their universe. Shredder basically got arrested. So now there's a fight between in the Foot Clan. There's the elite Foot Clan and the regular guys, you know, the regular clan. 
the elites try and take over. So they basically try and get rid of Shredder's daughter, who is taking up the the leadership of the Foot Clan. Donatello kind of is uh, he gets his ass kicked. The 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 basically the leader of the elite Foot Clan basically calls him. You know, um, you're not a real ninja. You're not a real warrior. You just rely on these weapons. You depend on too much of these gadgets to be a real warrior. So Donatello's all depressed. In the meantime. Batman and Robin find out that there's a, um, a League of Assassins member goes to where they're supposed to meet up with Roger Ghoul. Instead, it's Robin and Batman. Batman beats the shit out of the League of Assassins guy to find out, you know, what he was trying to, well, what he wanted to tell Roger Ghoul. He finds out that there's a Lazarus pit buried under Gotham. So now Batman and Robin are rushing to try and find, you know, the Lazarus pit that's been under their noses this entire time. League of Assassins basically says that after Raj has been has gone missing, if you want to say that, um, the League of Assassins are looking for like a strong-willed, strong physically person to take over the League of Assassins. So of course that one person in mind clicks in Batman's mind. So if you like that, uh, if you like the style of the first Batman team and T, you know this is right up your alley. Meanwhile, Dontello goes to Splinter and says, "Hey, you know I'm the weakest guy and the weakest link in the chain." Splinter says, "No, you're not. You know you, we all have unique gifts." Batman and Robin in the meantime. They finding they start going toward down these tunnels to try and find the Lazarus Pit. They get attacked by Ninja Man Bat. In the meantime, they finally get to the Lazarus Pit. Robin gets there first and is like, you know, Father, I need you to get down here now. And there's laughter coming from the pit. At first, I'll admit it, at first I thought it was uh, the Joker. Because uh, the laughing, the ha-ha-has are written like the Joker would laugh. At the same time, Donatello is trying to, he wants to, he's actually trying to find somebody to... Because he knows that Batman, when they met in the first series, Batman was the genius, but he was also an experienced fighter. Donatello's a genius, but he's not that much experienced. He's not as good of a fighter as like Leonardo or Raphael. So he's actually trying to find, he doesn't fly out safe, but he's, he's actually trying to find Batman to ask Batman, how does he do it? How does he balance being a genius? And being this expert fighter. During that time, Batman finally gets down to the pit. They realize that it's basically this massive being come out of the Lazarus pit and all Batman says is Bane. Bane says, you know, they say the demon offered you this power before and you rejected it. What I feel now is not madness. That is madness. Like Batman's madness for giving up this power that Roger Wu was going to give him. It's all so clear now and Bane jumps out. They're about to fight. With Donatello trying to find Batman with this, with that machine that was able to travel through the different multiverses or the different dimensions. Uh, the elite Foot Clan finds Donatello and they start fighting. They damage the equipment and actually, well, Bane says, there's only one thing, you know, there's only two ways this is going to happen. He says to Batman and Robin, either I'm gonna get. I'm. You're gonna let me go, or you're gonna put me back in prison. And I'm not going to prison. At the exact same time, Don, the machine gets damaged back in the TMNT world. It transports Donatello to Batman and Bane to the TMNT world, where now Bane comes out of it and he says, "I do not understand where I, where am I? What is this place?" And the elite Foot Clan member says, "You are in the domain of the True Foot Clan, and you will not escape, whoever you might be." And it just shows a close-up of Bane's eye. He says, ah, a prison then. Very well, let's begin. And that's how it ends. So it looks like that. You're gonna next issue, you're going to see Bane being... Kicking some turtle ass. Bunch, well, you're going to see Bane kicking a bunch of Foot Clan ass, I think. The Foot Clan was, was attacking Donatello, and they damaged the machine. And it actually transported Donatello and Bane back to, you know across the different dimensions. So Batman and Robin were looking at Ben. All of a sudden, Ben just disappears and Donatello appears. And back at the Foot Clan, they see Donatello disappear and Ben appear. It looks like that Ben's going to be kicking some ass. So that's all we know right now is that it's so far with issue one, it's centered around Ben has got himself into a Lazarus pit. He's come out and he's just even more stronger. And it's not where he's gone insane. It's almost like it enhanced his tactician skills, his his brain and his strength itself. If you like the first series, then issue one is issue one's badass. Quick question. Quick question. Is this not in the same continuity and story as Batman Team and T Adventures? No, Batman yeah, those, Team and T Adventures. Are two separate is, ones. Yeah. I can't keep track. Of Batman Team and T Adventures is uh in I think it's in the Batman the animated series uh continuity. So Wow. So there's there's the Batman TMNT and then there's Batman Team and T Adventures. Yeah, and that's IDW puts out Batman Team and T Adventures. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, because okay. when they do crossovers, each publisher has to do a book. I getcha, I getcha. All right. Chunks came in like you motherfuckers are slacking. Fucking guns are blazing, boy. Guns are blazing, throwing that stack on the table like. <laughs>
Fucking we needed him. It was a heavy stack, man. I'll say it again, man. Any, any man who pulls 35 issues of Green Arrow is not a man you want to fuck with, man. <laughs> <laughs> News. Trunks, can we get you to sign an exclusive deal, or are we still... Are we still working like four story arcs right here with with uh, um, your appearances? <laughs> no, I think um, I, I think we're pretty close to signing a deal there, Thomas. Okay, um, all right. Well, we'll we'll have to take uh, the old um, the misses out for some dinner and, and maybe uh, do a little more uh, talking about that. So yeah, <laughs> I think that brings us to uh, Batman Ninja. Yes. Ooh. Which is, uh, I think Grumpler mentioned that it was actually I don't know if it was a full trailer, but it was. Um, originally shown at New York Comic Con, but I think in um, conjunction with Tokyo Comic Con, uh, where they kind of released images of um, figures and statues, it's blown up with the full trailer coming out, and people are going nuts about it yeah. everywhere this weekend. Yeah, yeah, everyone is is uh, posting a whether people love it or hate it. Everyone is talking about it. So uh, this was written by Kazuki Nakashima. And all the character designs were by Takashi Okazaki, uh, who did Afro Samurai. Oh, nice. Yeah, popular. The animation looks really good, really detailed. They I really love, did a smart thing. I love how it's... I think we're going to get English subtitles. This is straight-up Japanese, right? So, yeah. yeah. There are two versions of the trailer out. There's the one trailer that is just the straight Japanese dialogue, and there's a second version that has English subtitles. I've done a lot of characters in this. I saw Joker, Harley Quinn, Deathstroke, Two-Face, Gorilla Grodd. Rod, Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy, yeah. Uh, Jason Todd's in there. Robin's oh, in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the uh, the Jason Todd look. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't have the full mask on. Yeah. He has like a, a Ronin look. Yeah, it's uh, a, a really cool uh, little tip to his character design. Same deal. A lot of merchandise was uh, announced for it as well, like statues and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, a Prime One there. Yeah, the Tom's going to get. Pretty cool. And, uh... Ooh-wee. <laughs> How dare you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's being released straight to Blu-ray. Uh, all we know is sometime in 2018. Oh. I haven't seen the date. Yet. I like it. I don't want to even see anything about it anymore. I just, I'm just gonna buy it when it comes out and watch it. I think it's gonna be a, a lot of fun. It just look, that Joker looks crazy. The Har Harley looks good. Catwoman looks good. I love the um, the Japanese take on these characters. It's like Elseworlds to the fifth power. You know, it's coming from their country, their perspective of Batman. So. This is going to be really cool. We've never seen a ninja-style battle between Selena and Harley before. Well, we have seen a, a sword yeah. fight between Talia and Selena before. And, uh, yeah, Selena well, that we did. <laughs> the Selena won, didn't she, Trunkler? Fuck <laughs> off. Just because Talia got too overconfident with Selena's um, could have been lack of skills. Hey, boy, you, you take it a... up with Tom King on Twitter, boy. <laughs> I, I'm going to take up with Tom King at C2E2 this year, boy. Oh, trunk <laughs> throw I'll him walk in up the there tr- and slap my stack of comics on his table <laughs> and say, sign these, and hey, let's talk about this, bullshit. <laughs> Trunk's going to get him to sign all 35 issues of his a Green Arrow run. I didn't even write this. I don't care. Sign it. <laughs> In other news, we have that kid playing Robin for DC's network. Uh, his name is Brenton Thwaites. WBTV released the, the first image of him in the suit and he also uh, had tweeted a couple images uh, so there's another look at the suit he gave a close-up on the r symbol this is the first live action robin we've ever had that will probably yeah. be good i mean all, all due respect to burt ward for its time but uh yeah chris o'donnell yeah chris o'donnell was chris o'donnell played the dick grayson who needed to be adopted by bruce wayne when he was a 23 year old man <laughs> some of us are not emotionally mature yet it's so horrible dude. people are obsessed with the teen titans well, yeah they really There's are huge huge well, huge people really love teen coming of age teen shit Titan. they love teenage angst I think that's why the Titans yeah. are so popular. And uh, between this and Young Justice three on the DC Network's a smart move. They're gonna get a lot of subscribers and uh, and do really well. So, uh, Cult of the Bat approved. He gave it the Cult of the Bat thumbs up for this Robin. So that's pretty cool. I think there's a there's a great opportunity with this for us to see the character development of him growing into Nightwing, and uh, yeah. we see you know a, a Tim Drake introduced and take on the Robin mantle in in the series. So it is confirmed that it's Dick Grayson then? Yes. Cool. He definitely looks the part. I mean, just from that one picture. I've only seen that one picture, so I'm kind of excited. In case anybody doesn't know um, who might be listening, where can 
when this series does come out, where can they watch this at? I'm assuming it's going to be like in its own app, right? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's going to be part of DC's streaming service. So like uh, DC's uh, very own Netflix. So and like, it's yeah. also Are they going to have uh, The Flash? I, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll start populating uh, the service with other DC content, but yeah. it's starting right off with with the ti- the live action Titans and the uh, the return of Young Justice with season three. Damn, it, Netflix is I guess it's a good way of like you know explaining it. Netflix has its original content and it also has content that has already aired, so they'll probably be mainly starting out with content that's already aired. I would assume everything DC has been able to do. Uh, like the animated films They're and uh, the game on this one. That's so, so when you, when you, oh, man, that would be awesome. Once you like download this app or go on the site, whatever, immediately, I hope everything that you might've found hard to get online or not find in the same place is all going to be there. You're gonna have some new stuff too. I was just at Best Buy and I was thinking, um, there's a box set right now at Best Buy that has 30 DC animated films. It's a giant box set. And so I'm thinking like, damn, this thing's cool. Like, I I wonder if all of these are going to be on the streaming service. With this streaming service, it's a way of them giving the finger to any studio with getting involved. And if DC starts killing it with this, what is Marvel known to do is to try and emulate whatever DC does and, you know, capitalize off of that wake. And I'm sure they'll probably come and try to do the same thing. Libra Merho. It's uh, Bermagio. Bermagio. Well, uh, four days ago at uh, the time of recording this, uh, Lee posted a teaser image, which is appears to be a bat actually stapled or sewn onto a chest. He he only put up half of the picture and just stated that he's teasing a new project. And he put uh, a few hashtags like secrets coming 2018. You thought it was over things like that. So uh, we're getting a, a new Bermeo uh, bat book of some sort coming in 2018 that's hmm. sweet I, I could dig it get a good writer on it and we're good you know what i mean because his artwork is great but uh yeah you know uh prime one um disclosed a bunch of their new statues and, uh, so... <laughs> oh sorry guys sorry about that clearing my ass you're just pissed because you know they're gonna release a keaton soon and you're gonna be really <laughs> <laughs> yeah right after three years of teasing so they yeah um, i was gonna say they say that <laughs> they so they they disclosed at Tokyo Comic Con a couple days ago um third scale dead man statue based on Lee Bermejo's artwork Batman who laughs they announced oh my goodness they they teased a video for their prototype the Batman who laughs statue with the three robins oh my goodness that's a must is, is that one of the ones that uh, was designed by Jason Fabok is he because he uh, he has said that he's uh, He's working on projects with Prime One now, designing statues. Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure what he has mm. uh, in the works with them, but uh, I think that one was designed by a different artist. Um, and uh, it, it's just so damn good. It's They disclosed their Ninja Batman statue based on the uh, upcoming movie that we were talking about. Uh, revealed their half-scale Nightmare Batman statue, created with the trench coat and the goggles and the gun. Yeah, that's that's wild, man. They revealed a third-scale Dark Knight Rises Batman. They also revealed the Dark Knight Rises third-scale Catwoman statue. They also revealed the Superman and Batman Hush quarter-scale statues, which look pretty cool. They revealed their Flash TV series statue with a really cool pose of Grant Gustin running in the the Flash outfit. They revealed all the Justice League movie statues. I believe they're third scale. Uh, this this isn't uh, this isn't Prime One, but Kotobukiya re- also revealed their Gotham by Gaslight statue. That one looks beautiful when he's on top of the yeah. um, the the little the cement the brick post. What toppings do you have with your deep dish trunks? When, you, uh, when well, you go to Illuminati's, right? Is that what it's called? Illuminati's or Giordano's. Um, <laughs> Illuminati. You say Illuminati's? Nice. Illuminati's. Like the woke, the woke version of Lou Malnati's. <laughs> Some woke dish. Some woke dish. Um, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm trying to watch my weight, <laughs> yeah. not happy with that. <laughs> then you're not getting fucking deep dish. <laughs> I want deep dish so bad now. Um... I mean, pepperoni is always a good thing to go with. Um, I feel like a lot of a lot of stuff on it. I mean, pepperoni, sausage. Um, it's so shit. I like onions, green peppers, pepperoni, sausage. I say that's good. Green peppers is tough for some people. It's such a it cuts through so many flavors. So it's a it's definitely a, a required taste on pizza. I believe. I like how much sausage came into play. Sausage, <laughs> pepperoni, sausage. sausage. 
<laughs> green pepper <laughs> sausage. <laughs> you ever order Illuminati trunks and when they ask you what you want on your pizza, you tell them, throw some America on it, boy. <laughs> it like freedom, boy. Trunks. If, if they're doing if they're doing a Chicago on my sauce. <laughs> trunks, if they're doing the Chicago style correctly aren't they covering the whole bottom of the pan or the whole bottom of the uh, of the crust with a, a full layer of sausage a full bed of sausage if you would yeah i mean um when, when you get sausage um, on a deep dish you can either get the crumbles like you would on a normal pizza or you can get what they call a sausage patty where it's they they have the crust and they put literally in Every square inch of that bottom crust is basically a sausage. Like a, <laughs> think, of a, think of a giant sausage head, and they just set it right in the bottom of saying, it. Sausage. We have to stop saying sausage. This is turning into a sausage fest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, they, um, but yeah, they basically if you get like a 12-inch pizza, then they would 12 take a sausage. Most people can't handle it, but I know I could. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, just gotta relax, just gotta relax and go for it. Just relax and throw. Uh. Hey, Gotham dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.